Hi, this is Matt. This is before the episode. This is a disclaimer for this upcoming podcast. We had some issues with the audio because we are at the J School at the university and we couldn't use the main podcasting room that we usually do, so we had to use an alternate. And that involves some handheld mics and some not so great mics, so the audio is really messed up and jacked up. But thank you again for listening. We also want to congratulate Jalen Harris on getting drafted to the NBA draft, of course last night to the Toronto Raptors, and we are about ready to preview San Diego State. Again, apologies for the audio. I say I made a joke during the podcast that he sounds like a drive through employee. Kind of true, to be fair to Isaiah, but it's not his fault. It's, it's the audio that you're about ready to hear. We, again, apologize for that. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 127. I am your host, Matt Hedder, I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, what's going on, man? We got a big week, big uh, day. Man, we just had a big night last Yeah, night. big night last night. First off, before we get into the San Diego State preview, congratulations Jalen Harris on getting selected 59th overall by the Toronto Raptors in the 2020 NBA Draft. What a moment. Oh, most definitely. I mean, well-deserved. We talked about it last podcast, just how well he performed with the Wolfpack. That tremendous junior year he had, and he took a chance on himself entering the draft. You know, he could have easily have gone back and solidified his draft status, but for him to be drafted, it's just a special moment. Yeah. Did you, were you watching it when it happened, or, like, where were you? Sadly, I was at work. I was finishing up a night shift, but as soon as I saw the Pack Center podcast, you know, the Pack Center Twitter tweeted out, if you haven't already, follow Pack Center. I mean, we're on top of everything. Oh, at Pack Center NV. Yeah. At Pack Center NV. Please follow the Twitter account if you haven't already. But I mean, you know, you were on top of it right away. And when I saw that, my eyes just grew wide and I finally found out my prediction was right. You know, I said you'd get drafted. A little heartwarming moment, but ultimately I was just so happy for Jalen, so... Oh yeah, I was watching it on my phone because I was streaming it and I was already behind and I had my phone on Do Not Disturb so I didn't have my notifications on and I was watching the draft. I was on like pick like 57 I think and my best friend Michael who's also a super big basketball fan, shout out Michael if you're listening to this, he ran out of his room. He just like, Matt, 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 look at this and it was I think Jonathan uh, Giveney of ESPN who said Jalen Harris is getting drafted by Nevada. And I ran to my room as fast as I could because I already had like a pre-written story kind of written. And so I wanted to get that up as quick as I could. Just a flurry of emotions. I was like, man, like, what an awesome moment, especially since it was the second to last pick in the draft. All right, is he going to get drafted or not? Just one of those things. And it was, it was awesome. I'm so happy for Jalen, man. This is such an awesome moment for him. Hopefully he can make the best of it. And hopefully he becomes an impactful player for Toronto Nick Nurse. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. He fell into a great organization. I mean, Excellent organization. From top to bottom. I mean, we're talking from coaching staff all the way up to upper management to the guys on the floor. He's just surrounded by winners, well, just well-trained athletes, just great people. So I wish him nothing but the best. And, you know, I know he talked about just how special last season was, just in terms of you know, there wasn't a lot of talent on paper, but we really made the most of it. And a lot of that was due to Jalen Harris's 
just tremendous year, and he really made it a memorable year for me. Before we get into anything else, you know, this is starting to really, like, bother my eardrums, and I probably is doing the same thing for listeners. We were in a different room. Yeah, the, yeah, the podcasting room. We're at the J School at the university, and the podcasting room is taken, so we're in, like, a different sort of podcasting room with only one mic and or one normal mic and one handheld mic. Well, a normal mic is a handheld mic, I guess. But it's it's different than like we're in an actual studio like we usually are. So we we apologize for the audio mishaps. Things happen. Not great. I mean, things happen. Yeah, they, yeah. The room was taken up, and it was taken up all day today and all day tomorrow. And so it's for some reason, probably a class or something or a project because we're getting close to finals, but. Or we apologize for this. <laughs> hey, we still have a preview to get out. The content needs to keep going. The content train does not stop, even if it sounds like I'm speaking through a McDonald's drive through microphone. And I'm sorry for that, <laughs> but it needs to happen. I'm sorry. We need to talk about these things. Oh, and before we get to the football thing, we just keep dodging football. Sorry, football. It's because SDSU. It's, it's just daunting. Well, no. I'm saying... Jalen Harris is teaming up with Malachi Flint. Speaking of SDSU. Yeah, speaking of SDSU, Malachi Flint, who finished first in the Mountain West Player of the Year voting, Jalen Harris finished second. It's kind of cool. It's awesome. I mean, you remember the battle they had at Waller? Oh, yeah. Or was it, was it the home finale? Yeah, it was. It was the last game of the season. I mean, you want to talk about back and forth. You could have argued who played better. I know Malachi. Malachi. Just, Absolutely stuffed the stat sheet, and he had a couple dagger threes, but he was a very, very well-rounded player. And to see him and Jalen team up after their head-to-head battles on the road and at Lauder last year was so cool to see. We'll be discussing football right after the break. And we are back. Isaiah, we have, this is the biggest, up to this point, this is the biggest game that Nevada's had this season by far. Without a question. Nevada's got San Diego State this weekend, 12.30 p.m. on CBS in Reno. Kind of thankful it's a home game. Although, we did beat them last year on the road at San Diego State, 17-13. It was the first ranked road win that we've had in our school's history. And it was our second win ever on the road against them. Yeah, I mean, I remember that was an impressive win. And we needed it badly because that was towards kind of the tail end of the year. And they were ranked 24th in the nation. That was a big upset victory. And that was, was that before or after we came off the win on the road against Fresno State? I think it was before. Just I'm not back. sure. It might have been after. Two big road victories last year. but this they were, Yeah, they were like back-to-back. Like, this year's completely different though, obviously. And I think, as you mentioned, us being at home, huge advantage. I, not a huge advantage in terms of spread or anything like that, but I just think we need it in terms of this biggest test of the year. And it also adds an interesting dynamic because of the standings and how the standings can fare out. So what the deal is that San Diego State has seven conference games this year. They have they play BYU, I think, on the road December 12th. That's their eighth and final game. Usually, most every other team in the conference has eight conference games. In a, in a perfect world, the team with the highest winning percentage would usually get the nod over. Let's say Nevada won the game. Or, let, no, let's say San Diego State beat Nevada. Nevada could finish the season 7-1, and one, and San Diego State would finish the season 6-1. and one. Usually, ideally, since Nevada would have that extra win, they would 
thus have the higher winning percentage, giving them the advantage in the conference. But since the Mountain West, I don't know if this has been a rule forever, but the Mountain West ruled this year that even if, if there's an imbalanced schedule, like let's say since San Diego State plays seven conference games and Nevada plays eight, that's technically imbalanced because one team has more conference games than the other. The head-to-head victories would take precedence over the standings. Let's say if Nevada, hypothetically, if Nevada lost this game and then won out in their final three games and San Diego State just wins out from here. They got the tiebreaker. They got the tiebreaker. That's just, yeah, I mean, this game has so many ample expectations. And just for the team as a whole, this is a statement. This could really be a statement victory. You've seen, I know we've talked about it, you've seen Nevada come out and beat up on some of the lower teams and still struggle in some aspects. For them to come out with a win on Saturday, that would really, you know, bring things up a little bit. Just from our stage as a program and a football team. And, you know, I think we have the chance to do it. I mean, I know Nevada had no control of this, but it also kind of speaks volumes to how big that San Jose State win on the road at San Diego State was two weeks ago. Thank you, Spartans. The They're really good, dude. They are. I know we. I know we've been clowning them every <laughs> once in a while. Legit program, and this is without Josh. Lowe. I mean, going on the or it was Starkle. Starkle's been right up in the strong for a oh, year. for sure. And the fact that they went into Carson, California, and beat them by double digits, just as a double digit underdog, just speaks to how well they played. But we're not here to talk about San Jose State. But that was a big win. That was a big win that could prove vital if. Nevada loses this game. I mean, well, it wouldn't anyways because, as we just discussed, San Diego State would still hold that tiebreaker. But let's say San Diego State would come into this game undefeated. That kind of swifts things a little bit, at least. Yeah, and I mean, we talk up San Diego State. I mean, what makes them so good offensively? They run the ball. They run the ball a lot. Yeah, they're... (laughs) I mean, Nevada's been up against two decent rushing attacks in Wyoming, who has Xavier Valaday and UNLV, who has Charles Williams. But... San Diego State's is by far the best. This is a and it's not even individual runners. It's a group of bell cows led by Greg Bell. This is a different animal they're going to face because they're going to be facing a fresh body every single time out on the field almost. You're not going to be facing just one singular back. And it's, you know, each of their three to four backs, they almost go four backs deep. They each offer something different and something different to prove. And it shows on the stat sheet. I mean, they're third in the nation this year in rushing offense, 280.2 rushing yards per game. That's crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot of yards. It's funny because they're behind Air Force and Army, who are two triple option teams, so it's like you know they're going to run the ball 50 times a game for however many yards. So the fact that they're behind two triple option teams when they're not a triple option team. Because triple option teams run the ball more. Army leads the nation in rushing every year. Or not, they're close to it. San Diego State's been really good the last several years, and they're even better this year on the ground. Yeah, I mean, that's their bread and butter. They love controlling the tempo, love milking the clock, just churning out chunk plays down the field on the way to six and have faith in their defense to get a stop, and all of a sudden they're up double digits and really take control of the game. And For Nevada to win this game, that cannot happen because no. we haven't seen Nevada face too much of a huge double-digit deficit, and... SDSU can... This is all they do. This is all they do. They just bring it out. First, second quarter, they're already up, and you already feel like the momentum of the game is already in their favor, like it's already over by the time first half comes. And we haven't talked about Nevada has a top 30 defense in terms of 
like just total defense in general, and they have a top 20 run defense, that begs the question. Usually what we've seen from Brian Ward's defense this year is that they've been running like a 4-2-5, not necessarily a 4-3. Is Nevada going to put bigger bodies in there for a 4-3? or they? Because Nevada's going to have to st- – they're going to make San Diego State pass the ball, and they're going to try to probably stack eight, nine – maybe 10 guys in the box, depending on how many receivers are on the field at one time, because San Diego State's going to run two, three tight end sets. And so they're going to they're gonna be big up front, and Nevada's going to have to win in the trenches. But in order to in order to stop that run yeah. game, they're going to have to stack the box. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think in some points, SDSU's going to get theirs at some point. They're going to get some chunk ones. They're going to get some of it. But like you said, I mean, this is a real strength versus strength. In terms of our defense, our defensive front this year has been really good. We've done a really solid job up to this point of controlling some of the ground game and just putting the ball back into our offense's hands. And there's no bigger test this week than SDSU because they they have a game plan and they stick to it no matter what. They're a diligent, diligent football team. And you mentioned one of their biggest weaknesses offensively is still behind center at quarterback, you want to make quarterback Carson Baker throw the ball, especially after last week's performance. He was god-awful. I want to go back to the run game a little bit. We can touch on uh, Baker in a bit, but there's been times this season, like against New Mexico, there there were times where the running backs would just get chunk yardage. And, of course, Nevada would like hold their own towards the end of the drive when they were at midfield or in their own territory. And there were times against UNLV where, again, there'd be chunk yardages from Charles Williams. And when you talk about getting those chunk yardages, a lot of it comes in the trenches and up front. San Diego State's better than UNLV up front. They're better than New Mexico up front. So this could be a big test for our front seven. Or if you want to not if you want to say front eight, because they're probably going to have at least eight guys in there. But You kind of have to. Right. I mean, just to fill up the gaps, it's... What they do. Right, because there were times Charles Williams, I mean, Charles Williams being the chuck wagon, being as good as he is, they would, he would get chunks of six, seven, eight yards. I can't remember the back on New Mexico for some reason. I'm blanking on his name, but he would get just chunks of yardage. And it's like Nevada's going to be going up against easily the best rush offense they're going to face this season. Like, how are they going to hold up to that? It's really on top of the kind of – battle up front, it's really a game of chess between this, on the sidelines. You're going to see adjustments, hopefully, on Ward's standpoint. You're going to see adjustments on SDSU standpoint. And ultimately, that could be who favors who in the game is because what types of adjustments are those teams going to make? Are you going to be able to stop SDSU's run game? Is Ward and company going to be able to at least put that aspect of their game in check? Bobby Cole was the guy I was thinking of. Bobby Cole. Yeah, he was, yeah for some reason, I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, he was a big back, and he would. There were times where he would get chunks of yardage, and it would kind of help them sustain that drive. But then they were put in unfortunate situations, whether it was penalties or Nevada getting pass rush or even stopping the run. But Nevada has to hold the chunk plays in the run game to a minimum. Oh, definitely. And I know we kind of touched upon more of the run game just with Greg Bell, Chance Bell, the Bell Bros. Not really at all. They're not. I don't <laughs> think they're related at all. No, they're not. But we're gonna call it the Bell Bros. And Jordan Bird. Each, like we said, just a fresh body each and every time out. It's going to be tough. I think this defense can get really tired and fatigued if you play in the SDSU's hands. And like we keep saying, it's a huge test for us, especially defensively. Yeah, Greg Bell leads the conference in rushing yards per game with 134.3. That's fifth in the nation. 
he's the first San Diego State player ever to start their career with four 100-yard rushing games. So, I mean, that's just a testament how good he's been. As a, He's a Nebraska transfer. I don't think he got a whole lot of uh, snaps there, but now he's getting, now he's making the most of his opportunity, and he's showcasing to be one of, if not the best back in the conference so far this year. Or, I mean, he's been the best back in the conference so far this year, but I'm interested to see how that holds up throughout the season. Oh, definitely. He's, he's, he's got a special brand of talent. And from kind of like a historical perspective, just something that's interesting to touch on is SDC produces running backs. Marshall you know, Falk, Falk uh, Rashard Penny, Rashad Penny, Danell uh, Pumphrey, like, Ronnie Hillman. Right. And there was a point where it was like Marshall Falk's SDSU's records never, like, no one even touched them. And then in like three straight years, Pumphrey, Ronnie Hillman just dominated them. And it's Penny. been that way. Penny for that reason, too. He, so they, they know how to produce NFL caliber running backs. And Greg Bell's special in that regard. He's really good. Yeah, and if Bell gets 100 yards on Saturday, I think he the first player since Rashard Penny in 2017 to get five straight 100-yard gains on the ground. Impressive. I mean, and it may happen, but hopefully it doesn't because adjustments need to be made and we need to kind of make a stand in that regard. We'll touch a little bit on Baker. He has not been good. No. At least lately. Not at all. Oh, no, no, no. His last week's performance, he threw two picks, completed less than 10 passes, now, there's some who's going to be the starter up in the air because that's how bad Baker performed last week. And if there's one thing Nevada's defense needs to do, needs to force them to throw the ball, force them to stay in the pocket, force them to beat them in the air. You know, that's one thing. Hopefully, when you get them into those third down situations, you don't give up a third and six, you know, a third and three, third and two situations because I think you know what's going to happen. You need to get them in. You know, third and mid conversions, third and long to force them to drop back and see their drop back pass game because it's not really developed. It's not really advanced to this point with communications off in several aspects. So if that can happen, that really plays in Nevada's favor. Yeah, he was four for 13 with two picks. Disgusting. yards passing. Gross. Put me in, coach. I could do that. Throw me four screens. I'll do the rest. I'll take care of the rest. Throw me four screens for four completions. My next night completions could be easily two picks. You know, just as an athlete, I think I can call myself mobile. Oh, for sure, for sure. But we're talking about passing. We're not talking about running. I've been hitting the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Do you got the arm? 20 yards, yeah. Easy money. I should already be in the NC. Okay, please edit that out. Yeah, we'll just cut that out. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, back to Carson Baker. Who Isaiah thinks he might be better than. An actual NCAA Division One college quarterback. Yeah. Although he hasn't been a good NCAA quarterback, he still is one. Still one nonetheless. But, yeah, I mean, just keeping him in the pocket, forcing him to throw the ball, that can create some good things. And we've seen our secondary be opportunistic in a lot of regards this year, make some big plays, and... That could be one thing that really turns the tides in Nevada's favor and gets our offense back on the field. So I, I think that's one of the biggest things you need to look on is who's going to be dominating time of possession if that's the case? Because you don't want that to be an SDSU's favor because you know what's going to happen. Saving that for my keys to victory. Definitely. I can see why because it's obviously a key to victory. So we'll touch more on that later. But 
Yeah, I mean, just just going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. If Nevada is able to keep the run game in check, really interested to see how the Aztecs' passing game really unfolds. If they're able to complete, you know, third down conversions and go back to the run game and continue their dominance on the ground, or are they able to make some adjustments offensively? Do you expect Brady Hope to get try and get Baker in a rhythm early you know what, with screen passes, some short passes, yeah, like so maybe routes. some little like five yard hitch routes to get Daniel Bellinger or try to get like a couple screens if Nevada's bringing pressure, Nevada's loading the box, just slows down the pass rush a little bit. You might be trying to get him in rhythm. That may be a good idea. Just after his performance, maybe getting a few throws under his belt, get that confidence back up under center, just in case. You know, just having that run game always by your side is helpful, but. You need to be able to find a rhythm throughout any point in the game. So if they start out with the passing game early, that'd be a really interesting aspect to see. And how Nevada's defense adjusts to that, because all of a sudden like, maybe the box opens a little bit less, it opens a little more for SDSU, and then that opens up really that run. So in a, in a similar aspect, you know, if we've talked about how our run game opens up our pass game. In some aspects, SDSU's pass game can truly open up the run game if they're able to con- you know, convert when needed to, because in that regard. And I'm expecting to see if we get into those second and medium, third and medium situations that we keep talking about, that we keep hammering on this podcast, how they're going to bring pressure, and how many are they going to bring. Because this might be the first pocket passer, or pocket-ish passer that we've faced all year. I'm not going to try to undermine Baker's ability, but I'm not going to say he's Levi Williams, or that he's... Um, Jared Shelley. Jared Shelley, yeah. I mean... Those two. I mean, you saw how effective they were picking up first downs with their legs. Or Trey Hall. Yeah. Trey Hall for that matter, too. I mean, yeah, we faced some mobile quarterbacks this year that have done some damage to us, picking up fourth down conversions, using their legs to convert throws down the field. So, with Carson Baker, if you can keep him in the pocket, he may just you know, collapse in that regard, and you may not see many accurate balls. I know... San Diego State's offensive lines are really good. They've been really good in pass protection, and they're Usually, typically, historically, a good, historically good pass blocking team. I wonder if this might be the game where like Dom explodes or Sam explodes. I mean, Dom has quietly been really, really good this year. He's seventh in the nation in solo tackles for loss per game, and he's eighth in the conference or eighth in the nation in tackles for loss per game. What? Wow, that's some under the radar numbers that's, right there. And no, I mean. I think you talked about it. The defensive front's been good. They just haven't stuffed the stat sheet. You know, they haven't had eye-popping numbers across the board in terms of sacks and stuff. Right, like Dom and Sam has three and a half tackles for loss each. I think Dom has a couple sacks. He got one last game. and um, Hopefully we can see more of like an explosion. They've been pretty keyed up on both of them this year, but I'm interested to see if the defensive linemen can finally get home, can finally register those sacks. And that's something to look out for if Nevada brings five, six, seven guys in these situations. I wonder if we can get maybe some one-on-one matchups with Dom and if not, open up someone for Diane Henley or Joe Juan Claiborne or potentially Lawson Hall if they sat like just different different players potentially opening opening up rushing lanes for them. Yeah, can we get through? I mean, can we win assignments if they are win our win assignments? And SDSU's big up front. You know, they're kind of nasty. They have some horrors up there. And it's just another testament to what's going to be going on in the trenches because that could be really, as we keep talking about, the key to victory. So something to truly keep an eye on. 
Uh, do you want to switch to offense for that offense? Yeah, I was. This is this is probably we saved this for last because Nevada's offense versus San Diego State's defense is certainly something to watch. Yeah. We've been hammering the other side of the ball. Let's talk about a true strength versus strength. Nevada's offense, which is one of the best in the nation, versus San Diego State, which is a top five defense. Oh, definitely. And you've seen both sides. You know, their strengths just continue to develop some sort of new aspect and some sort of new regard has been able to continue throughout these four games. And I mean, with Nevada's passing game, it's been potent. Attacking secondaries down through that we keep talking about. When we do get to mix in the run game, we become even more dangerous. But SDSU, just from a talent standpoint is something different that we haven't faced this year and they are so fundamentally sound they don't make mistakes they don't blow a lot of assignments which Nevada has taken advantage of in a lot of aspects so uh, you want to talk about how interesting this matchup is going to be this is a huge test just I think this is a huge test for Strong I mean it's one of the biggest games of his career in terms of a regular season matchup and this he's going to be He's going to be thrown into the fire, I think, in a lot of situations. He's going to be seeing things that typically he hasn't been able, you know, he hasn't seen this year because SDSU was very exotic, sent some serious blitzes. They were so sound in coverage, as I keep talking about. So this is a huge, huge matchup on this side of the ball for Nevada. Right, and to get back to that point, I haven't seen a lot of this this year. One thing... Nevada did see a three-three-five defense last week versus New Mexico, and the offense line, as we talked about a couple podcasts ago, really did struggle with different stunts and pressures that New Mexico was bringing. I'm assuming Brady Hoke and San Diego State are going to be throwing the same type of looks and potentially the same type of stunts and blitzes that New Mexico threw because Rocky Long, of course, the defense coordinator now for New Mexico, came from San Diego State, and Hoke was a long disciple. And, and he was the defensive line coach there last year. And so I'm wondering if there's going to be different looks throughout the game. And hopefully Nevada learned something from last week, especially that front that to an extent is inexperienced. And I wonder if they see something different. Because Carson Strong went through for 147 yards last year for San Diego State. They didn't pass the ball a whole lot. Now Strong has thrown six straight 300-yard games. San Diego State hasn't allowed a 300-yard passing game in five straight games. And so it's a definitely a strength versus strength. Yeah, I mean, the, the dynamics completely changed from Nevada's perspective. We're a lot more explosive. We're a lot more big play oriented. We need Strong's arm, and we need his, you know, his ability as a passer to continue to move us forward as an offense. Our offense has really added some serious elements. And from SDSU's perspective, do you think they make adjustments, especially if? What if they do key up Romeo Ducks? I mean, we, we They're going up. to. They, they have, have to. to. I mean, I'm so surprised to see opposing teams not really catching just how effective Strong and Ducks have been this year. But it's I, also the degree of secondaries that Nevada's faced. New Mexico's secondary, or New Me- yeah, New Mexico's secondary wasn't the greatest, but they still let them loose in the second half. Utah State's secondary wasn't as good. UNLV's secondary, who Dubs had 219 yards against, wasn't good, and... San Diego State secondary is easily the best secondary that Nevada's faced all year. They're arguably the best in the conference. And that's what I wanted to press upon, is just a different animal defensively. I think we may not see a three-touchdown, 150-plus-yard game from Romeo Dubs. 
we may not see these huge, huge plays of 50-plus yards, 60-plus yards that put us on the board. We really may need to methodically string together drives, involve the run game more, find strong, more easy throws underneath to maybe guys like Marquand Stover, Justin Rockhart, possibly Cole Turner, tight end over the middle. Just things of those aspects. Can we keep drives going in that form or fashion? Because if we're able to do that, obviously we're we're staying on the field, we're keeping our defense rested, and more importantly, we're keeping SDSU's run offense that can completely dominate you off the field. So I'm really interested to see if Nevada can do a new type of element of offense this upcoming week and seeing if they can string together those types of drives, not having a three-play 82-yard drive capped off by a 60-yard touchdown. But there's also been multiple times this year where they'll Nevada will go through the air, but they'll nickel and dime it to where it's, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 plays for like a six-minute drive. I mean, it's not going to be all deep throws. And San Diego State's defense is going to try to hold Nevada to or prevent Nevada from going over the top or taking the top off the defense. So it might be a lot of underneath throws that Carson Strong has to make, and I don't think he's not willing to make those. We've seen it before. No, he's you know you've seen his confidence and leadership over these four games and his growth. I think he's willing to do whatever it takes to get the win and. We talked about it from SDSU's offensive perspective, how important these third and medium, third and long conversions can be. I think the same applies for us is, are we able to convert and keep drives going if we're put in those situations? Especially if a drive starts out as, I don't know, a handoff to toe a tower, maybe get one to two yards, an incomplete pass, and all of a sudden you're in third and eight. Can you convert? I'd be terrified of if I was Matt Mummy in this offense. Yeah, because you're playing right in SDSU's hands. You're stopping the clock. You're an incomplete pass, you're punting the ball right back, and all of a sudden, STSU's run game, and their well-balanced, you know, just offense, is back on the field, and they're going to do <laughs> what they do, because that's what they do. You want to hear a couple of cool stats? I would love to. San Diego State has held opponents to three and out drives on 43.1% of their drives, which leads the nation. My goodness. That's so yes, that would play exactly into their hands. And they've, they've been through it this whole year, and they've showcased it, but... Like, I know we've given SDSU a lot of credit uh, defensively. They, they haven't faced an, uh, an offense as explosive as us yet. Starkle. That's true. San Jose State. San Jose State. And they held them to 298 yards. I would still argue. Yeah, I mean, so they have faced another good offense, but, you know, we could be a different animal in aspects too. So it's just going to be so interesting to see how both sides of the field adjust because. This, well, is a, this is a chess game more than anything else. They didn't, I don't even, now that I recall, they didn't even face that. They faced Nick Nash. Yeah, they faced the backup. And they still had 298 yards of offense. And Once again, that SGSU wins. Thank you, San Jose State. I could just be a huge domino if things went forward. But, no, I mean. Still an explosive offense, though. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And Nevada's got a lot of aspects going for them, too. Just riding high, four straight wins. Can we just keep this momentum going? I mean, we haven't seen this much success in a little while in terms of this much of a consecutive win streak, but I know our opponents and strength of schedule hasn't been good, and as we keep saying, this is our biggest test of the year. This is a big game. The game that we've circled on our year on the calendar all year long. Oh, definitely. And the fact, once again, that this is at home, just eases things just a little bit more in my, you know, in my opinion. 
since we've played all five games of the state of Nevada, we're still kind of at home of sorts. We're still on our own home turf. And being back at Rocky Stadium, can, even without fans, I think it just gives us some sort of sense of comfort in a way. Isn't it being held to, it went from 250 to now 50 fans? Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, you know, COVID. The second fun stat I was going to give to you was a testament how good Romeo Dubs has been this year. To start off initially, he has 31 catches, 645 yards, and 8 touchdowns, all ranked within uh, top 15 in the nation. His 8 touchdowns are, I think, 4th. His 161 yards per game is leads the nation. His 8 touchdowns are as much as Utah State has total on the season. That's ridiculous. Utah State has six total touchdowns. Romeo has eight that's, receiving touchdowns. That's disgusting. And it's also as much as UNLV and I think Fresno State, who both have eight each. Just a testament. No, not, no I, it's New Mexico. Who, New Mexico and UNLV. Testament to how great Dubs has been, and a testament to how bad that Utah State offense was. Seeing that in person was big yikes. But, you know, touching back up on SDSU... I just don't know how much more we can say how man, how crucial these adjustments can be on both sides of the ball and who really makes those adjustments can come out with a big victory. Yeah, they have one of the best cornerbacks in the conference in Darren Hall, plus two two great defensive backs, other defensive backs, and Dwayne Johnson Jr. and Tariq Thompson. It's going to be, they're going to, I don't know if they're, they, they might double. They might. I mean, it just makes sense. I, I mean, they're going to certainly help over the top, and like if they're playing like cutter two or something like that. But. Let someone like Justin Lockhart beat you, and Mike Monster over and Marino beat you, and that's what you keep I saying. Think, I think Hope can live with that. Yeah. If, if Cole Turner and Lockhart and Stoll will beat you and not dubs, I think that's. I think Hope might consider that a W in his book. Yeah, and I think, as you mentioned, just taking what the defense gives you, it's going to be a lot of underneath. It's going to be a lot of small, small chunk plays. I'm not expecting anything much over the top. Because SDSU is fundamentally sound, especially in their secondary. And even up front, I think that's why if we can mix in the run game, it'll keep our offense more balanced. We've seen the advantages of having a st- you know, stabilized and stability in the run game can really open up our passing game in so many aspects. But in the front seven, too, I mean, you know, touching upon Caitlin McDonald, he's a monster. He's good. Yeah. He's like an athletic freak back there. Last podcast, we mentioned Cameron Thomas and Keyshawn Banks. Cade McDonald is second in the conference in sacks, but he leads the conference in tackles for loss with six and a half. He's a guy in that three three five who will, who will be that fourth guy on the outside of, at the linebacker position, and he'll try to maybe potentially get a one-on-one matchup on Jake Gardner or Frost or something like that. I don't want that. He's, he's special. He's got a lot of twitch. And, you know, we just we, we talked about some of the members of this SDSU defense and some of the you know, potent names they have on offense. This is just a well-balanced program. Good talent from you know throughout on both sides of the ball. And this is something Nevada hasn't faced this year. Nevada's faced, in my opinion, teams that have at least one serious deficiency. They've done a good job of taking advantage of that. That won't be the case with SDSU, unless serious mistakes happen and serious mishaps and blown coverages or assignments happen, which can happen. Of course, you know it's football. It's a game. After all, it's a chess match, but just seeing how many SDSU players are right who are just well-known and pretty good, it's, it's eye-opening. 
And San Diego State has only allowed one pass of 40-plus yards this season. Strength against strength. How much can we say that? That is just crazy. I mean, and we did, we've had so many plays of 50-plus, 60-plus yards, and the fact that they haven't given up many, if at all, big plays is just shows what's truly going to happen. It's going to show which strength plays well over the other. Yeah, Nevada has eight plays of 40, or eight passing plays of 40-plus yards, six of 50-plus, and two of 60-plus. Wow. I mean, that's impressive. So, like we keep saying, it's a big game. <laughs> it's huge. It's the most important one at this point, and it can really be a, a big stand for us throughout the year if we get this win. Are you on the defense wins games, or are you on the offensive win, offense wins games? That spectrum's kind of changed. It really has. Uh, I'm gonna go with the offense wins games. It's just, but I, I, I don't want to like understate how crucial we need to be up front defensively in order to keep SDSU in check because that's a battle in, in and of itself. Here's so. a question: Are you more worried about Nevada's offensive line or Nevada's defensive line? I'm more worried about the offensive line, just because we've seen so many struggles, especially these past couple weeks. At least I'm hoping we'll get something out of our defensive front because we've seen it consistently week in, week out. It may not be as much as, you know, statistically and eye-opening in a lot of aspects, but our offensive line has some lots of new faces, young players, and this is just another really, really bad matchup for them. Yeah, it's not great. But do you want to get into the keys to victory? Uh, I mean, I think we've touched upon both, unless you want to touch. W- one more thing. Something that can prove huge to, to potentially winning this game. I know I'm saying this, and it doesn't sound excellent by any means, but Brandon Talton may have a whole bevy of opportunities to potentially put points up on the board, especially since San Diego State's red zone defense is really good. I, I know it's, I'm saying it sounds bad because it's like who wants to talk about getting three points instead of seven each, each and every drive, but points against the San Diego State defense in general is tough to come by, and so you might have to take what you can get at some opportunities. No, and that's, I loved how you brought up the special teams unit. You know, we've seen how the special teams has impacted some of our wins, and, you know, from Brendan Tone's perspective, having a player like him is so valuable in a game like this because sometimes you just need to take your three. And just getting points against SDSU and hoping you can stop them on the defensive side can really be well for us. So you bring up another great point. It's going to be like ripping your hair out if Nevada has three field goals and still on a fourth and two when we're at San Diego State's 30-yard line failing to go for it. That's going to be, for some fans at least, it's going to be a moment you want to rip your hair out, but it might be an opportunity that Nevada has to take. Oh, definitely. I mean, just how great and how well this SDSU defense has performed, sometimes you just need to swallow that pill and take your points. So that's another interesting aspect to see. Just so many different dynamics to this game. I, mean, I can't wait for Saturday to come. It's going to be so cool. They couldn't schedule it at 7.30? No, nope. 12.30. Thanks. I can't get my nap in. I mean, it's college football Saturday. Can yeah. Take a nap during the time? 7 a.m. gym session. Okay. Three hours, quick nap, ready to go. Happy morning. Maybe you can maybe you can start earlier, like 
Or wait, does the dream does your dream open? Is it seven? Okay. I was gonna say you could do it at six. Get three in. Power nap it. That's what I usually do. I have a power. I have a five a.m. Monday through Friday gym session. Power nap. Well, then oh, you wouldn't have much of a problem if you power nap for what you said at three hours. That's end to ten. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I'm getting extra sleep regardless since For it's sure. not opening at 5. I don't know why we're talking about this. I'm sorry. But, yeah, just having it be at 12.30. But it is on CBS, and you can tell this game's going to be good because... Brad Nestler's going to be calling the game. <laughs> I'm excited. Finally, we get some respect. You know that Brad Nestler's calling your game. You're at least well-known in some aspects. So, sweet. Um... I know looking into the spread before we get the keys to victory, I know SDSU is a one-and-a-half point favorite, so this game, yes. you know, Vegas has this game close. The second game of the season that Nevada's been an underdog, first one being the first game of the season at Wyoming, or versus Wyoming. We shot the road there. I'm just kidding. But can we do it again? I mean, you want to hop into these, the keys? Yeah, we can. What are your keys to victory? You know, my first key to victory is I just can't understate how important it is to get the run game going in my opinion, because I just don't see a lot of passing opportunities downfield that we've been able to succeed and sustain our year to happen. I really think they do key on momentum depths. And a lot of our passing game could be limited to six, seven, eight yards, maybe a big, you know, a, a game long of 25 or something. So to have that stability in the run game and being able to pick up chunk yardage in that aspect to keep our drives going, keeping SDSU's offense off the field, keeping our offense on the field and being able to potentially string points together is huge. So I just want to, hopefully we can find things from Toy Tower, Devontae Lee, something out of Bagford from freshman Avery Moore. That's my first key to the game is getting the run game going. My second one is just how crucial it is, converting on third down on both sides of the ball, I'm putting. So for Nevada, being able to have SDSU in third moms, third mediums, forcing them to throw the ball. And in our aspect, if we're in the third and eight, third and seven, being able to convert to keep the drives going. In a game like this, that could get really chippy. I'm not expecting 30-plus on either side. Those types of drives and those types of plays are crucial. So those were my two biggest keys to victory. What are your keys to victory, Matt? To touch on that third down point, San Diego State's second best in the nation in third down defense. So as we talked about earlier, getting preventing those third and long situations could be really key in that We'll probably start with throwing on first down, throwing on second down to see if you can get more efficient yards instead of running. But I'm sure Nevada will mix it up in that way. My first key to the game is, as we talked about, winning the trenches. You're going to have, in, on both sides, you're going to have to win on the defensive line. You're going to have to win on the offensive line to prevent Strong from getting sacked, keep him upright. My second key to the game is, again, make Baker throw the ball. We have the strength in the Carson category. In the, in, the battle be- in the battle between the Carsons, that quarterback, we're going to have to make them throw the ball, and we're going to have to put the ball in his hands instead of keeping it up Greg Bell, Chance Bell, and Jordan Bird's hands. I mean, that's, of course, again, that goes back to winning in the trenches, forcing those down in long down and distant situations. And if Nevada can do that, they can potentially create some pressure up front, potentially get some good matchups on the outside. And my third is control the game. San Diego State's eighth in the nation in time of possession. They a lot of the possessions that they've had, they've been gotten out they've been getting out to big leads. They've been getting out to 
10, 17, 20-point leads, which allows them to run the football and allows them to do what they want to do. And Nevada's going to have to control the tempo, control the game in that aspect. They've held the ball for, I think, 34 minutes a game. Nevada's just under 32. And so if Nevada can at least control the tempo and put together those chunk drives and potentially take the air out of it and keep standing against State's defense on the field, they have a good chance to win this game. No, I love your keys to the victory. I mean, they touch on both sides of the ball and just how impactful whichever tide that kind of turns to their favor. It's those little but impactful things that can really change the game and give that one team the lead. What is your prediction? So, when I get into my prediction, I know we're not favored. I know this is our toughest test of the year. SDSU's loaded. They can put you in a deficit in a hurry, as they've shown this year, despite you know recent some struggles. But I'm going with a 24 to 20 Nevada football victory over SDSU. I just think how impactful a win could be, and how much of a statement this game could be. I think our guys are ready. We haven't seen a team like this to this point this year, and I think Nevada is up for the test. I think we can win a few matchups, and if a few things break in our favor, I really do think we can take advantage of it. So, once again, I'm not expecting anything in the 20s and the 30s. Excuse me. I'm expecting a just a well grinded out game, but ultimately, I just think I have belief and some faith in this Nevada football team that we can get a win like this in such a you know hard head clearing fashion. And, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Nevada 24, SDSU 20, we improved to 5-0. Let's do it. I'm with you there. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Nevada eventually does come out on top. I think it's just going to be a back and forth, two teams just putting together these long drives. And I think it might ultimately come down to who has the ball last. And if Nevada get, if Nevada has the ball last, I'm pretty, I think they can uh, put some points on the board that could be crucial in their victory if they do eventually win the game. Yeah, I mean, it's that close. It could come down to something like that. So we'll just have to see. And I can't be more excited. It's going to be an awesome game. We've been we've been looking forward to this all year. Again, easily the biggest game of the year. This could have huge implications if Nevada can make the Mountain West Championship or not. The, the winner might make it to the Mountain West Championship game, the winner of this game. Yeah, and it's only week five. That's how impactful things this can be if both teams win that, as you touched upon earlier in the podcast. And, I'm not going to lie to you when I say this preview's got me hyped. I can't wait for Saturday. It's going to be fun. And I let's go pack. Let's do it. Do you have anything more to add? No, I think we touched upon everything. We hope everyone's staying safe out there during these very strange and hectic times. Thank you for listening again. Give us a rating. Like and subscribe. A five-star rating. Please, thank you for listening again. We will see you next week.